This is Logocentrifugal Podcast. I'm Chance Lunsford, and I am Logocentrifugal. I'm here with a guest today, Dennis Mangan. You probably know him as P.D. Mangan. Uh, and so, Dennis, why don't you introduce us to you and a little bit of what you're about, and we can jump on from there. Okay, thanks, Chance. Uh, well, I my my website is Rogue Health and Fitness, and I've been writing on it for several years. And I write about, as the title suggests, health and fitness, uh, but from a pretty, um, let's say, heterodox perspective. Um, I'm I'm uh, 64 years old, and um, I usually get asked how I got into all this. So I'll give you just a real, real quick background. Um, I, I've had some significant illness in my life that nobody could figure out. And so, and, and plus, uh, my, my, my background is in, I, I have a degree in microbiology and so I've worked in that field and, you know, so biology, science, I'm, you know, kind of all familiar with it. And, uh, at any rate, I, I figured that if I were to get over my illness, I had to try and figure it out myself. So I did and it worked. Um, and so I've been writing about it. Um, uh, I, when I, at, at the time I had my illness, I, I was doing a lot of research into it. And when I, when I figured that I had, you know, I, I was learning so much and, and I decided that at some day, if I ever got over it, I would have to write about it. So I got over it and I started writing about it. And then at that point, I, that was my first book called Smash Chronic Fatigue. And at that point, I, uh, when I was done with that, I thought, well, what now? And so, um, I just kept at it. And that, so that's what I've been doing about the last, uh, five years or more, uh, just keeping at it, writing more books, writing on my website. Um, I think by now I've got somebody told guy who, a guy who's uh, working on my website, doing some, uh, web development on it said that he thought I must have 500 articles on my website. So right. something like that. Yeah. Um, and anyway, and then these days I'm very active on Twitter. Uh, so, uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Mangan150. Um, I've, well, anyway, uh, like I said, I, I come from, I come at health and fitness from a heterodox perspective. People, and, and I'm sure you'll want to ask me about that during the course of this, but people who follow me on Twitter or read my website, I'm sure are, are familiar with how, how I approach things. Um, and it's certainly not from the mainstream medical perspective. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm on your email list and I've been familiar with you for some time and you know, my own, my own fitness and health journey has been somewhat cavalier because um, I'm a very skeptical person by nature. You know, I'm not just going to, take your word because you say it that's just a that's like that sends me onto the chase and then I go verify information because that's that's the way you kind of you really get to know something or not is by doing your own research and everything but um 
you know, I, I knew early on because my dad got me into kettlebells a year out of high school. I was very unhealthy and I was, you know, I had a lot of problems in my life and I was starting to confront them and things. I mean, it took me a lot longer than that to really turn my life in the direction I wanted to be heading. But, you know, I got going with kettlebells and I got introduced to Pavel Tatsulin. And when that happened, you know, I'd spent the last year lifting barbell and dumbbells and that, and that went great and everything. But then I started lifting kettlebells and I started getting stronger and more athletic in ways that I hadn't experienced before. And I started just getting better at stuff. And it's like, okay, well, um, you know, I haven't even heard about this stuff before my dad just kind of stumbled onto this and introduced me to it. And why is that? And then you come to find out, well, it's like there, there are, when there's already a vested interest in something and there's already, um, you know, like an empirical data set to rely on, it becomes very difficult for other people to um, want to jump outside of that and try something new because um, there's already all this energy and money invested in this other system. And in fact, there's right. so much energy and money invested in it that maybe we don't even want to have anybody look at this because it'd be inconvenient to have to dismantle this whole system we've got set up. And, you know, and that right. went on. I just was very skeptical about the mainstream stuff. And it's turned out that most of the things they've always told you are wrong. Um, yeah. So, so, sometimes it's, it, it seems like you can't be cynical enough regarding <laughs> what's going on. Um, and I, I mean, I agree what what you just said about basically vested interests, very broadly speaking, this is something I've really kind of come to realize myself only in the last couple of years that there are a lot of vested interests and that's why it's so difficult to, to change things. Uh, pe people who are making a lot of money on the current system, such as big pharma or big food, uh, they, they have, absolutely no incentive to change it why would they 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 they're making tons of money and the people who are sort of running the health show as far as by that i mean large medical organizations and uh medical researchers and so on at the big universities and so on they they have a vested interest in their careers They've made a lot of pronouncements over the years that are really turning out to be so wrong that if they were to say, well, okay, yeah, maybe that this, this idea that your new idea has some merit, I mean, their authority would be so diminished that they're just not going to do it. It's going to harm careers and they're going to, with with some of the things they're talking about, they're just going to die in the last ditch, so to speak, yeah. defending yeah. what what they've been saying all along. It's it's a really tough battle. You know, not to get too far afield from what we're talking about, but this is a theme that I've hammered on time and again because um, it's a situation where, for instance, if you've been dishonest about something, and let's not even let's not even tie in the medical industry and dishonesty. Let's just say it's a money thing and it's and it's an ignorance thing. But let's say that you become aware of a fact that you were ignorant before, and then in order to recognize that fact, you have to turn around and face all your history and all these mistakes that you've been making. It's a very difficult decision. It's not as cut and dry as it might logically seem. You know. A lot of times you, you think 
you're going to get a new piece of information or somebody else is going to get a new piece of information and it's going to make sense. And then it's going to totally change whatever pieces of their lives that it touches, but that's not how it really works. And especially in a group where there's so much momentum and so many, um, like you said, vested interests and so much, uh, there's so many reasons not to shift course and to continue to be blind. And, and then to have to turn around and face the weight of all that um, history of being wrong. It's, I mean, while I, I don't, I don't appreciate the dishonorable practices necessarily, it's understandable why it would be so difficult to say everything I've always been taught and been teaching and been practicing is incorrect. And now I have to start from scratch and I'm as ignorant as the rest of you. Absolutely. And, and it, especially when some of those people are at the top of the heap now, um, in terms of authority, um, you know, you know, in terms of their reputation, but that's what I mean by authority and, um, right. And so they're, they're very reluctant to do that, to, to, to switch gears or, or to change their minds. Um, I mean, it's relatively a lot easier, like say, for example, um, a, n a number of uh, people that I follow on Twitter, doctors who, who prescribe low carb diets for their patients, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of them talk about how they just had this sort of road to Damascus um, experience with that, that what they had been taught and what they believed and so on was all wrong. And and they they changed because they wanted to help the, the, their patients and they wanted to help themselves. Yet, you know, they're not such such most of them are not such high profile people that it would have been like some kind of blow to their careers or something like that. They were able to able to make that change, admit it to themselves and to others and everything, you know, went along and everybody's happy with the decision. But I mean, these people um like for example all the people that are involved in this eat lancet uh program which you may have heard of it's basically it's basically a, a, a it it involves the lancet which is a premier british medical journal and and other organizations and they're promoting basically worldwide veganism and you know that they're still going on and on about you know, don't eat saturated fat, don't eat meat, all this stuff that, in my view, has been thoroughly discredited. And so, yeah, those people, those kind of people, they're doubling down with, with, with their views. And then another thing, here's an example that I just read about on Twitter in the last day or two. There was evidently some vegan YouTube star who um, got caught red-handed eating meat, basically on video. <laughs> I mean, so she had this huge following, right? And was making all kinds of money and everything. And she, at some point, she determined, this is how I understand it, um, that she determined that being vegan was bad for her health. She was in bad health and she felt terrible and she decided she needed to eat meat. So she did. However, she had all these followers on YouTube. She was making all kinds of money from it. So she couldn't admit it. Huh. And, um, you know, there's, 
there's an ethical problem there too, because if, if you're promoting a diet that you have every reason to believe has made you sick, then, you know, what are you doing promoting that diet to others? I mean, it seems like, you know, if you, if you, if you may, even if you're making a lot of money, you got to, got a career doing it and so on you're going to have to come clean with your your real views if you think it's making people sick you can't promote it i agree with that 100 you know look it used to be that people valued integrity above a lot of other things maybe not above all things uh, you know most people have a point at which um the desperation sets in and they're willing to do things they might not otherwise do it's it's always best that we live our lives in a way that we never have to get to that point because that's that's mostly under our control but that's neither here nor there when you when you're willing to piggyback on other people's pain and sorrow other people's suffering to extract a profit i mean that you know that's kind of where you have to draw the line between like there's some there's some gray areas in good versus evil or like right versus wrong but that's clearly wrong to do when you're willing to, okay, I think that this diet's bad for people. I'm going to promote it because I'm extracting wealth from the people who are following. And I know that it didn't work for me and I got sick. So I'm going to, I'm going to let you suffer and then extract money in exchange for my bad information. That's, I mean, that's just wrong. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, it, of course it's true. But what happens is there, the, you know, psychological defenses kick in and, you, you know, like, like, for example, people that the, the, the doctors that are pushing statins on virtually everyone. Um, and there's, there's all this debate back and forth. Uh, I mean, I happen to be on the anti-statin side. Nevertheless, these, these doctors who are pushing it, uh, I mean, undoubtedly, they totally believe what they're saying. There's, you know, they say we, we, we make our decisions based on what we want, based on our emotions, and we rationalize them later. Um, in their case, maybe they're not making their decisions on emotions, but they've got into it so, so deep and their personal integrity is on the line. And there's, you know, every reason to keep believing it, to screen out opposing information um, and so they, you know, you know, if the, if this vegan that we were talking about is eating meat, she obviously doesn't believe it anymore. But in, in many cases, like I'm talking about, like with big pharma and, um, the people pushing, uh, low fat, you know, food or whatever they, un you know, most of them undoubtedly somehow they themselves and, and it, it perfectly aligns with their pocketbooks. Funny how that works, but that that's what happens. I think they believe it. You know, not for nothing, but there's a, it's easy to not see the full ramifications of what you're doing. If you're just a small part of what's going on, you know, the diffusion of responsibility. If you work at say Pfizer, um, your job is a very small piece of what's going on. You don't necessarily see the, the, the fat tail of the consequences of your actions there. And, you know, your action alone probably wouldn't cause any of the things that maybe people find distasteful about a company like that. 
Um, you know, you know, but then you do have those situations right. where you come across board meeting transcripts and it's, it's literally like a, a cartoon of a thirties, 1930s evil business tycoon, you know, just like, yeah, let's, let's milk them for all their worth, see? <laughs> and then you wonder like, oh man, it's, right. uh, <laughs> and how many of these boardrooms, they all, I mean, they all know each other. They're all swapping members all the time. It's not like at the upper echelons, any of this stuff is a secret. It's just ride the money train. And if, you know, even if they get in trouble for a specific medication, they've charged so much for it and they're going to drag out any sort of litigation so long with the power of the attorneys they've already got paid for and on retainer that, you know, they can basically squash or just settle on, on pennies on the dollar, the damage that they might otherwise be required to pay because they've been through it so many times before. So it's all, I mean, when you start to realize that it's all tied in to the business model, then you start to really understand, you know, there's a lot of people here who are just people going about their day, but then there really are some people just, interested only in extracting wealth no matter what the costs no matter what it takes out of the people and but you know their distribution systems like these doctors and and maybe this is a good point to maybe segue about some of the stuff you do and what you envision because you know these doctors go to school eight years ten years and maybe nutrition maybe exercise or just a snippet of what they're understanding in the first place and then it comes to find out that, you know, diet and exercise are nine-tenths of medicine in the first place. Um, but they're not up to date. They, the emphasis on their training to stay up to date is not on that. And it's a very slow and cumbersome machine. So maybe it's to the point where we need to start looking to different sources for the foundational aspects of our health and then only going to see, um, you know, specialist doctors when it's something that's beyond the bounds of, um, you know, simple take care of yourself and live right kind of thing. Right. Um, some of the, these, there, there have been some noted cases of doctors who have been basically brought up on charges for prescribing low carbohydrate diets for their patients. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of them, like Timothy Noakes is probably the best known South African doctor who is uh, basically hauled before uh, a tribunal threatened with getting his medical license taken away. Um, and, you know, honestly, when I saw, I've seen some of the vitriol that's been hurled at him, you know, I, I, I can hardly believe it. I don't, I don't know how he stood up to it. This went on for, I think, two years or more where, where these all, with all these meetings and so on. Um, I mean, basically he was telling people, um, you, you know, to eat a low carb diet. And he, he's somebody that had the integrity to change because uh, he's very well known for his research in uh, sports, sports and fitness, right? In, in athletics and especially running. So he, he's famous as the uh, author of a book on running and, and he, he ran marathons himself, and he always prescribed that everybody should be eating lots of carbs for running and for other sports. And then he himself became type 2 diabetic. You know, basically, he was still running. He, he's, he's a relatively old guy now. I don't know exactly how old, 70-ish or something. But he was, he's been running all along, and then 
he was eating all these carbs and he got diabetic and he was like, what the hell is going on here? And, you know, and he changed his mind very publicly saying that he no longer believes that, you know, everybody, including athletes should be eating a lot of carbs. Anyway, he was, he was brought up on, I'm, I'm digressing here a lot, but the, the point being is that, and, the, and there are other doctors too, Gary Fetke in Australia, um, where basically they've had the book thrown at them by health authorities, by light licensing boards and so on um, for advocating low carb diets. So your average doctor who's like you say, spends 10 years of higher, get, you know, getting higher education, uh, you know, and who knows how much money and incredible work to get where he is established, you know, start practicing medicine, establish a practice and so on. And, you know, he, is he really going to take a chance on doing something different uh, with all that at stake that, you know, based basically everything he's worked for for his, in his entire life. No, he's, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> the average doctor is not. I mean, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to disparage them, you, the the whole profession or anything, because hopefully they want their, their, you know, their patient's best interest, their patient's health is, should be the foremost thing they're thinking of. But too many of them um, just are very dismissive uh, about any kind of alternative. Uh, Here's another anecdote I'll tell you. Uh, someone was talking about this the other day. Uh, someone who's on Twitter um, who suffered intractable epilepsy, uh, you know, her entire adult life. I mean, like multiple seizures daily, this kind of thing. And her she she was seeing a, neuro, a neurologist and her neuro, a neurologist had her on multiple drugs that were not that obviously as you can imagine hugely impacted her quality of life and didn't even stop all the seizure seizures and then this doctor was even advising that she might need brain surgery to get rid of this and so she did some Googling around and found the ketogenic diet for epilepsy, went ketogenic, and her seizures stopped immediately. And she's now been years with no drugs, never got the surgery, obviously, doing ketogenic. She's totally fine. And, you know, so how many of these kind of stories happen? I don't know. It's, it's really sad when you hear about something. I mean, it's great that, that for her that she figured it out. But um, in the meantime, there's a lot of other people that are not getting the message or not figuring it out. Their doctors are, are heaping scorn on the idea that you can eat a ketogenic diet and, and free yourself from epilepsy, this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's too bad that there is that sort of uh, pedantic side to the medical profession um, because and and I'm sure you're. I mean, obviously you are in a in a position where you could walk into almost any doctor's office anywhere, you know, anywhere in the world, essentially, and you could go head to head with them on exercise and diet, uh, 
research and um, best practices and um, you'd, you'd walk circles around them. And I've had that, I've had that experience time and again. It's like, dude, you don't even, you don't even understand things like exercise density or, or time under tension or, you, you know, like <laughs> you, you tell right. me to go run like low intensity running for an hour is your just, just catch all exercise prescription. Just go tell everybody to go right. jog for an hour a day. It's like, come on, man. But so I guess what, I guess what I'm getting at with this is you have something like 50,000 followers on Twitter and um, you have this wealth of information on your website uh, and you've been invited on all kinds of podcasts and a lot of people are interested in what you're doing. Um, so there are people and there's, and there's many people on that level, like you are out there kind of out there spreading the good word. Um, so you've gotten through to all these many people, you know, you have 50,000 followers on Twitter. You have all these people on your website, you have these books, you have this interest in you. What do you think can be done other than what you're already doing and what other people like you are already doing to change the discussion, to alter the trajectory of the message that people are getting? Because I mean, that's a lot of people, 50,000, but it's not, it's not 2 billion you know, it's not 300 million in the United States. It's not. And, and obviously, you know, some of those people are going to be more or less interested and some of those people are going to take on the, the evangelical role of, of a new way of looking at exercise and nutrition. But I guess I'm just wondering what do you think can be done or what do you think the next steps will be that are needed to make sure that people are getting the best information they can about their diet, about their exercise and about best practices? Um, well, Social media is, uh, uh, let, let me say Twitter, because that's the one I'm really, the only one I'm really familiar with. But social media has been, I think, uh, pretty pretty big in this area in, in getting the word out. Um, there, the, 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 the group that I sort of loosely associate with, if you, if you want to say that, I, I hope they'll accept me into their group, but there, you know, there's a lot of doctors and other health and fitness people on there. And, and we're, you know, lots of overlap. We're, we're all in pretty much agreement on, on, uh, you know, what we're talking about. And so people, people are figuring out that, uh, you know, the information that they're getting from the health establishment is not necessarily 100% correct. Uh, that's an understatement. But anyway, um, so so there's that. And, you know, there are people out there that are, you know, people on a higher plane than I am that are out there publishing in medical journals, um, you know, like, uh, Ufi Ravenskov and Malcolm Kendrick, both doctors that um, have written a lot about cholesterol and statins, for example. Um, so they they are taking the battle out, you know, right right out to to the front. Whereas you know, I'm people like myself were you know kind of working in the trenches. Um, I think that. Um, I I'm often surprised by messages that I get and emails that I get from people telling, telling me, wow, you know, what you're saying has really changed my life. I started doing it and I, 
dropped 50 pounds and, you know, I feel better than ever, you know, this kind of thing. Because um, I never really, really set out to be, you know, kind of like preaching the message or, or something like that. I just thought at the beginning anyway, I just thought, well, there's a lot of stuff out here that people don't know and they really ought to. And so I just started writing about it. And then, and then, you know, you hear from somebody who's really changed their life. It's, it's really gratifying. They in turn tell other people. And so word gets out that way when lots of people are, don't really have a huge interest in health. The, the thing that really gets people interested in health is when they're losing it. Then they want it back and then they then they want to find out or, you know, work for it or something like this. So. Anyway, I, you know, I see that as as, um, you know, that's how the word's getting out. It's it's difficult, I guess, difficult work. It goes little by little. Uh, People like uh, Sean Baker, you, you probably know him carnivore doctor right and so he's making a big splash i mean he's he's kind of controversial i mean he he deliberately controversial i mean in other words so he's he's getting his message out that way saying that he eats absolutely nothing but ribeye steak and you know deadlifts 400 pounds for 20 reps i mean that gets people's attention and 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 the fact that he's an md doing and saying this stuff that gets people's attention. So I think that's great. Yeah. That dude's yoked. It's fun to watch him (laughs) do his thing. Yeah. Um, This is, this is another, you know, it's interesting. Obviously I'm a part of these conversations, but there are certain themes that I've been just kind of hitting on over and over again with every guest on the podcast and with a lot of people I'm talking about in my personal life. And one of the things is the ability to, manipulate or to influence the narrative or the story and you know you talk about a guy like sean baker and he's a smart guy and he you know he started doing a thing and he started doing it a certain way and people got all riled up about it and often when that happens people take a step back maybe they make an apology or maybe they just step out of the limelight and maybe they just do what they're doing quietly um because the intensity of the scrutiny and the and the haters and the trolls coming their way it's too much, but a guy like Sean Baker, I mean, he's been, he's been lifting heavy weights his whole life and he's, he's got a smart brain and he's got a strong body and it's, he's prepared to, to go to war a little bit. So, you know, he turned himself into either a hero or a villain, depending on which side of the story you're coming at things from, you know, uh, Alexander Cortez is another example of somebody who does that in the Twitter sphere or, I mean, you know, there are these people who they step out and they turn themselves almost into a caricature and they, they pick a few themes that they're just going to hammer on and hammer on and hammer on to the point where it does become a bit cartoonish, but it gets people so upset or so excited, depending on which side they're on. And then you really kind of see these, these conflicts come to a head and the message does get out. Although I do question sometimes the intensity of these caricatures leads them to sort of become a figurehead. And then the intensity of the clashing sides or the opposition gets a little out of control. Um, so I think there's probably a place to draw the line there because manipulating people 
can only go so far before they're going to push back against you and you might not like the consequences of that. So, uh, you know, that's, I guess that's just a word to the wise on that one. Um, so I guess I heard you say social media is a big presence. Uh, how big, how much traffic do you think or engagement do you get Twitter versus your blog? Um, as far as all this stuff goes. Um, right now it's much more Twitter. Um, so I, I mean, I, I've kind of, it, that's, that's both kind of a cause and consequence of what I'm doing. I, I mean, I realized that, uh, I was writing, I, I mean, I, I was for, for years, I was writing maybe three articles a week on my website very, very into the science. I still am into the science. I mean, I study, I really, I do study daily. I read new things and, and I'm fascinated by the whole field of aging, for example, and, and in health and fitness in general. So I, I read and study also, you know, I've got a self-interest in it because, um, as you know, like I said, I'm kind of old now and, um, you know, I want to be, I want to do everything I can to, to preserve my health and, and improve it if possible. So anyway, I was writing, I, sorry, I'm digressing again, but anyway, <laughs> I, I was, I was writing a lot, you know, thinking, well, here's all this science and I'm learning it and, and I'm synthesizing it and putting it all on my website and everything. But it just turns out that, you know, really, you know, not that many people are really terribly interested in it. I mean, I, I think the average person is like, just tell me what to do. And, you know, and, and if they trust me, then you say it, then I'll do it. Okay, fine. That's all I need to know. And so anyway, um, Twitter, Twitter has become more of my, you know, major platform now. Um, there there's there's also the old uh you know from a business standpoint there was the old idea that you know you write these articles and you have this great seo and then people find your website and then then they buy what you have on offer and it really it really doesn't work very well at all um you, you know, what, what you want to do from a business standpoint is you've got people who are interested in you, who follow you, like on Twitter, or, you know, people who regularly read my website, of course, too. But that whole, that whole blog, you know, write a blog and then hope people find you thing is, you know, not so great. You know, I, I wasn't involved with the social presence on the internet since the days of myspace you know it was 10 years at least where i just i i really was not on the internet except for research um and then i joined last year and i started a twitter account and then i you know i started a website and i started this podcast and i started an email list and i find that and then i wrote some books and you know i've I realized it's really an opportunity to do a lot of things and connect with a lot of people if you treat it with a little bit of respect and, and stuff. But I, I have a blog and it's not absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I just, sorry to interrupt. I just, it's just that I've connected with so many great and interesting people. Um, and you know, I, 
I probably a few years ago, I would have been surprised at myself saying that. But if you if you do treat it with respect, if you do use it properly, it's it's absolutely a great tool. Yeah, and I'm grateful that I, I'm grateful that, you know, I just felt compelled for whatever reason. It was the time in my life where um, I had done a lot of work on myself to recover from some bad decisions that had impacted me greatly in my life, a lot of them. And then I finally was at a place where it's like, I'm proud of who I am. And I've dealt with all the things in my past. And I have some tools that I want to share because I had to, you know, I had to use a lot of things to get me out of the mess I was in. And now I want to help people avoid making similar choices or to give them some hope to get out of a mess if they're in it. So I joined and then, you know, I've made a lot of connections and I'm working with people and I'm doing a lot of things and I have this blog and it's not popular, but I go on there and I write because I'm, I'm a writer and I do writing. And so I go on there and I write about the things that I'm researching or that I'm interested in, or just if I have something to say. And when I'm writing on the blog, I, it's almost as though I don't expect people to even see it. I don't even care if they do, to be honest. It's just like it's my spot on the internet. It's mine where I can put what I want. And then I come to Twitter and, you know, it's not like I have some massive following like you do, but I have a couple thousand people who are interested in me and I put stuff on there and a lot of people have reached out to me and said, Hey, this thing made an impact on me or, or even sometimes, Hey man, I just laughed. Literally. I just shot stuff out of my nose and ruined my t-shirt because you made me laugh. I mean, that's, that's probably just as fulfilling as you, you, you lifted it, you lifted up my life today. But, <laughs> but the point is, um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about how there's a lot of shady business and there's a lot of disappointing things in the medical industry and stuff. But we've also talked about how there are beacons of hope. There are people who are willing to risk their reputation, who are willing to risk their livelihoods and step out and say, Hey, I learned this and I believe this is right. There are people like you, like you said, in the trenches, grinding out blog articles, grinding out on social media, trying to get this message out that, Hey, there's a way, there's a way for you to live a better life and it will be more satisfying and you'll feel better all the time. And once you try it and you realize it, then you'll know it's true and it will only take you a few weeks to really start to see a difference in your life. It doesn't take that long to do. And you've had this massive success on, on social media. I mean, it's not like you have a million followers, but most people will never get even close to the level of success that you've had. So what is it about your message and your persona that you think has catapulted you to such a high level of success where there's a thousand guys talking about diet or exercise that um, have not experienced near the magnitude of success that you have? Well, um, you know, that's a good question. Uh, one thing I've found is that when in the past, say, year or two, I've, I've managed to kind of free myself a little bit more as far as my message. Like, uh, basically, I'm going to say this and I don't care what you think um, kind of thing. Whereas before I was, you know, much more concerned about that. Like I would get, you know, I tweet something and somebody said, you're full of shit. And I'm thinking, Oh, you know, shit, what, what did I do? What did I say? You know, or, I mean, you know, not, I, I'm a nice guy, right? I, I treat, I treat people with respect. I really try to treat people with respect and, you know, and, you know, unless there's reason to, you know, totally reason to do otherwise. And I, I was always kind of shocked when, 
you know, you're on social media and you say somebody and you have somebody coming at you saying, you're so full of shit, delete your account, whatever, you know? <laughs> and, and so I, I was like, what, what, you know? And, and I'm, so I, I've, anyway, I got over 99% of that. I don't care. You know, I, I measure my words carefully. I, I mean, I don't, say things off the cuff if i'm gonna if i'm gonna talk about something health or medical related or science related i really make sure i got my facts in a row that that this is correct or that if it's my opinion based on some other things that i can back my opinion up you know that i can do that well so I think that's that's something that you know, kind of like you know, on Twitter, which is what we're talking about here, or or on my website, writing without fear or favor, as they say, um, that that attracts attention, in that so it makes people want to fo want to follow you. Here's another thing. There there's some uh, I I don't know if I could remember off the top of my head, but there's this copy copywriter who so copywriting is something i've read about a lot in the last year trying to improve my my writing style and my ability to sell my products and so on um and and incidentally people have told me since i've been writing articles on my website trying to use a more copywriting style people say wow that's much easier to understand Anyway, one of the things this copywriter said was that there are these things, this handful of things that people really respond to. Um, one of them, for, for instance, is throwing stones at their enemies. So if if you tell people, um, you tell people, you know, guess what? In, in terms of health and fitness, the establishment really is out to get you. Um, and you know that that's a very broad statement but in broad outline i do believe that it's not like i'm making that up but if you tell them that people respond they go they go like wow you know somebody's speaking the truth truth to power or something like that so that's another thing i think that that uh people respond to when i when i've tweeted um things along those lines i ended up getting you know, hundreds of new followers when, when some tweet like that gets attention. Um, so, you know, those are a couple of things. Other, other things are people, uh, people want to see you. So, uh, you know, back when I started doing all this, I was pretty shy about showing myself and so on because I figured what it's just me anyway. I just, you know, I want to talk about science and health, you know, but reality doesn't work that way. So, <clears throat> I mean, like my before and after photos that I've shown, you know, people are like, wow, and they get retweeted and people are like, right on, man, you know, kind of stuff. So that gets a lot of followers too. So th those are the things I can think of off the top of my head that, you know, that, that have attracted, attracted followers. I like to think that my... <sighs> Like I said, I I really I really want to be able to back my opinions up. I want to make sure that 
I'm not spouting bullshit, you, you know, and and that I want to have integrity that way. So I hope that comes across, and I hope that's a reason people want to follow me, want to want to listen to what I have to say. That's interesting. Um, as you were talking, you know, I, I'm the kind of person who always tries to tie what I'm trying to understand to other things that I already understand. Um, and as I was listening, I was thinking about two very different approaches to telling a story. Um, you have sort of, let's call it the intelligence agency approach, where you have, you have an end goal. Like, let's say that you're the CIA or you're the KGB or, or something like this, and um, you want to, your end goal is to take away power from your enemy. So you use any tactic that you can to achieve that goal. It doesn't matter if you are telling the truth. It doesn't matter if you're operating with integrity. Um, what you're trying to do is get to the end point, which is, you know, take down the enemy. So you can use a fire hose approach at that point with your story. You know, you just chuck out a bunch of things and whatever sticks, you run with that till you hit a wall and then you chuck out the next dose of stories and whichever catches, you just run with that and you sow discord and you sow chaos and you sow dishonesty so that people don't know what to trust. And you, you can see that in our media and in our political discussions and we don't need to get too deep into that, but you kind of, it's, it's obvious that that has happened. Nobody trusts anybody anymore. But then there's another path where, um, like, you have something that you're trying to represent. It's not that you're going to an end point where, like, you're trying to destroy your enemy. What you're trying to do is say, I have the truth and I want to speak it. And then that automatically collapses. There's a certain amount of stories. There's a finite amount of stories anyway. And there's a finite amount of subjects that people can relate to. And if you want to get inside someone's head, it has to fit within their framework. They have to relate to it. Otherwise, it doesn't stick. So you say, okay, I've, I've already collapsed all these options. There's only a certain amount of ways to tell this story that I feel integrity, that I feel I'm speaking the truth. So you test those, and then you find the one that works best within your set of principles, within the truth, within the thing that you're trying to represent, and then you move forward and it's the same process. And it, it does the opposite thing, where the fire hose approach, where you just run with whatever story sticks, it, it dissolves trust, and it dissolves connection, and it dissolves community. You get these little tribal things that pop up, and then they smash, and then it just keeps happening. Whereas if you have a truth, a vision, principles to guide you in your action, and then you select your choices from that, it ends up coalescing into truth. It ends up coalescing into a movement. It ends up coalescing into something that can actually make a positive change. And that's part of the reason that I wanted to have you on here is because, you know, I see you having success. And I've done a lot of my own research too. I mean, I don't have a background like you do um, in the sciences or, or in the medical profession, but I've been very unwell in my life. And then now I'm not because I put in the time and the effort to research. I have a very powerful memory and I'm interested in stuff. Um, so now I try to extract lessons and deliver them to other people like you, you too. And that's, that's an important part of what I'm trying to do with this podcast as well. It's like, you know, what you're telling people to do is not complicated. It's all very simple stuff. It might be hard for you to break some habits, but once you get going, I mean, there's only a couple of things you do a day. You just eat different foods and you exercise for a certain amount of time, a certain way. And then that's just kind of your routine for the rest of your life and you've got it. The same way you're doing now and it's defeating you, it's, it's just a little paradigm shift 
and then you continue on and you feel good the rest of your life for the most part. So, right. Um, I mean, I kind of rambled on there and I, I was trying to find a place to splash and landed on a question, <laughs> but maybe you can just, I'm sure you got some feedback on something I said there. Yeah. Well, um, let, let me just, let me just go on the, since you, since you brought it up there at the end about what you have to do, you know, part of my message. I mean, we, we haven't really, I mean, it's to totally cool. We haven't really talked about what my message is exactly yet. Um, but that is one of the things, one of the important parts of what I talk about that this isn't hard that, that, um, that you just basically, like you say, there's this paradigm shift and you kind of rearrange things and then you go on your way. Um, but you have to be willing to make the, make those changes. Um, you know, the common, a, a very common thing you hear from people, um, like say, well, you want to lose weight? Don't eat all those carbs. And they're like, but I love bread. Um, that this is this is the kind of thing you know that you hear um but so for myself for example when i gave up eating bread or when i was faced with the idea of giving up eating bread i was like like what do you eat for lunch you know i mean does doesn't everybody have a sandwich for lunch that got that's what i did anyway and you know don't you have toast for breakfast? Whatever, you know, it, it was, it was kind of wild, like really not eat, not eating bread. And, and then, so I had to figure out, uh, something else to eat. But once I did, then, you know, I incorporated into my life and life goes on as normal. And, and so like the way it is now in my household, um, you know, we've got, well, we eat, we eat the way like you, you've seen how I what I advocate, uh, you know, on my website and on Twitter. Well, that that's exactly what we do in our house. And there's there's no um, like, oh, I've got a bag of corn chips in the pantry and I can't stop thinking about it. You know, we just don't have it in the house. And and but let's see, a lot of people are like that there's a bag of corn chips or there's a bag of chocolate chip cookies or whatever. And, you know, it's, it's calling me. Well, you, you've got to, and I mean, I can see actually that that is a real problem because if I had that stuff around, you know, it, it would be, it would be a temptation. And, and so I just don't have them around. Um, as far as, uh, you know, the, the other, like the, the other two main planks of what I advocate besides diet are exercise and intermittent fasting. So, uh, of course, ex exercise is, is, you know, that's not something like I alone advocate, of course. It's broadly advocated by, by everybody in medicine and health. Um, but I advocate as, you know, a very certain way of doing it and that you don't have to spend all this time doing it that you just, you know, work out with intensity. So, I mean, I, in some of these before and after photos that I've shown on Twitter, I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm, 
I mean, like, it's not like I'm a bodybuilder or anything like that, but I look okay for 64 years old. Hell yeah, and, you do. <laughs> <laughs> and people say, and then I tell, you know, people, people want to know what, what's your workout program? I say uh, twice a week, 30 minutes each time in the gym and and they're going no they're no way no way i said yeah yes way that's that's how that's how i do it and and then i'm not sedentary the rest of the time i do a lot of walking just casual walking when, when i'm not in the gym and that's it that and then you know my diet and then i do some intermittent fasting too um so it's it's all very simple and and very easy and and actually not only is it simple it makes a lot of other things simpler when you when you know what you're going to eat next your next meal or you know that you're not going to eat until noon the next day because you're doing a fasting day it really simplifies things if you know that um oh friday's a gym day and but you know, I'm only going to go in there and spend 30 minutes in there, get in, work hard, get out. That's it. It's, it's, it's all very simple. Once you've got the, once you've got it down and then when you have the discipline to live by it or rather, I should say the discipline to change things. Once you make it into a habit, it really does not require discipline. I do not consider myself a disciplined person particularly i mean discipline means going against in some way what you want to do like lying in bed till eight o'clock on saturday morning or something like that i i don't want to do that i you know when when i wake up in the morning i have no no problem i get out of bed you know because i got things to do i want to do them so as far as my my lifestyle and the one that i advocate it it's really it's really does does not require discipline it's it's just a change in your thinking you rearrange it and then you do it and that's how you live your life and and for the most part you're going to have to live it that way permanently i mean people like i i've never been obese myself for example but lots of people have been and if you know if if somebody who needs to lose 50 pounds they're they're gonna find that you know only permanent change is going to help them if if they if they want to be permanently successful in in keeping the weight off it's it's not going to be a matter of going on a diet doing it a while and then going back to the old ways that, that just will not work it's got like a 99.9 percent .9 failure rate so it, it requires a permanent change in your attitude. Um, you know, I, I don't know. People tell me, like, good Lord, I couldn't do what you do. And, and I think, well, well why? Uh, you know, what is, what is so hard about it? You know, it, it's because you don't want to. It's, it's just, I don't, I don't spend, I mean, if I if I weren't if I weren't writing about all this all the time and doing the studying and everything, as far as just for me personally, I mean, it would be that one hour a week I spend in the gym, and I mean, my girlfriend does all the shopping and cooking. I don't I don't have anything to do with it really. So it it just doesn't it, it does it just doesn't it's not hard for me. It it's uh, um, 
it's real easy. So I, I don't, I guess I, I don't have a lot of patience for people who say I couldn't do that. Um, I think why not, you know, you want to, you want to lose that 50 pounds or whatever it is, you got to do it. And if you don't want to do it, well, then you just got to live with your extra weight. Um, okay. End of you know, it's, it's like talking to kids. When you talk to somebody, they say, oh, you know, I feel like shit because I'm 50 pounds overweight. It's like, well, yeah, first of all, of course you do. Um, second of all, you know exactly why you're overweight and that you feel that way. So third, um, I'm going to give you some steps. And I guarantee you, because I understand biological imperatives, if this, then that to, you know, I mean, there's some fine tuning and stuff, but if you're 50 pounds overweight, I guarantee you, I can get you in better shape than you've ever been in with just like three instructions. If you'll just follow them, <laughs> you know, but, but you're going to come up with all these reasons not to, and you're going to come up with all the excuses. And what you don't understand is what you're telling me is, uh, I would rather have something that tastes good on my tongue and then feel like shit afterwards. That's, that's more valuable to me than my health, than my self-respect, than my dignity, than my reputation, than the quality of life that I'm going to have. And when you, and when you frame it to him like that, one of two things happen. One out of a hundred times, somebody goes, you're absolutely right. I have been kidding myself. I have been lying to myself. I'm going to make a change. The, the other option is they, um, they get mad at you and call you a jerk and then they don't make any changes in their life and then they push you away and just go back to deluding themselves. But it's been made worse because they've had that little seed of dishonesty that they've been burying brought out into the light and they know the world can see it. And so they got to lie to themselves even harder to, to you know, convince themselves that those 50 pounds are not directly their fault and could be fixed within six months. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, people, people, really defend their problems. They, they, you know, whether, whether it's in health and fitness or any other thing, they, they defend them in the sense that, uh, I don't know what it is exactly psychologically. They want those, they want those problems to be somebody else's fault. Maybe that's one motivation. Um, and, and so, you know, if people, if people, if people put, as much energy into solving their problems as they do into defending them, they wouldn't have those problems. But, you know, and, and it's, it's just a, you know, the first rule, uh, well, uh, it happens so often that when you tell somebody, you know, somebody says, well, what do I do about this? Okay, what do I, what do, I do about X? Well, you do Y. Oh, but wait, I can't do Y and here's why. You, you know, it, it's, it just happens all the time. They, they, you know, these, but I can't do that. Oh, okay. Well then you're going to have to be satisfied with the way you are and with this problem you have, if you can't do why. So it's your choice, you know, but it, it happens a lot. Um, people also, uh, a lot of the stuff I talk about when people hear it for the first time, they can hardly believe it. Uh, and like, like for example, red meat is a health food. Okay. So you tell somebody that and, and when they're hearing from everything and everyone around them that they better not eat too much meat or they're going to die of a heart attack or cancer, 
and then I come along and say something like that. Well, I, you know, I suppose it's hard to believe. Um, you got to be exposed to the message uh, more than once. And, and when people, you know, about, let's say, 12 years ago or so, uh, whenever it was, and I read uh, Gary Taub's book, Good Calories, Bad Calories, and that was a big, that was a huge game changer for me because up until then, it was like, I believe, what everybody had been saying about saturated fat causes heart disease and and so on and here here he comes along saying that refined carbohydrates are what makes people fat and gives them ill health and so that that was a big big game game changer because i had i had heard this other message basically my whole adult life so there's other people that even now, 12 years later, they still haven't heard this other message and they come across it. I guess you can't blame them. They're, they're like, what? Uh, this, this can't be right. You must be a crank or a quack. Absolutely. You know, and just to point out that I'm not some guy who's sitting here high and mighty. You know, I've, like I mentioned before a little bit and alluded to, I've had a lot of problems in my life. And then I turned them around and diet and exercise were one of the, if not the key factor besides my decision that I wanted to live a different way. But I continued smoking cigarettes until like four months ago and I've quit a bunch of times and then come back to them and things. And then I had this shift in my mind that, you know, I became a non-smoker. It wasn't as though I was quitting smoking. It wasn't as though I was um, stepping away from something. I just didn't, I just don't, it's just not, I'm, you know, I just like, I finally made that shift in my head. It's just not something that I do. And I've had that happen with exercise. It's like, okay, I'm just a person who lifts weights now. Just a person who does calisthenics and lifts weights and, and does PNF stretching. You know, I just, I've added these things into my life. This is what I do. I'm just a person who eats this way. It's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. Um, so I just want to make clear to the people who might be listening or watching this that um, I understand the mentality and I understand the difficulties that come with changing your life from one way to another. You know, I, I was this way and now I'm this way, but you know, you, you already understand your choices. You understand the consequences. You're not happy with how you look or feel. You have to do something different in order for you to change. You have to change how you act. So, um, that's just kind of my final message to the people. And I know we didn't get into a lot of the, um, ins and outs of specifically what you recommend people do, but I usually, I usually end things with this and, um, you know, we've gone an hour, uh, and we've covered a lot of ground. So if you were sitting across from somebody who was listening to this or watching this and you were looking them in the eyes, what, what is something that you would tell them one or two or three things that you might just tell that person to say, Hey, this is my message. This is what I suggest you do. Now go out and start doing this and it will make a difference in your lives. Uh, okay. Well, so assuming that this person sitting across from me was was interested in in health and fitness, I would say that it's and and they they were having health problems. They wanted to improve their health. I would say it's basically modern life that is making you ill. Uh, very very uh, particularly the food uh, is making you ill and overweight um but there are other things too that 
I would tell them that if you if you look around you where we have a nation that is 70 to 80% overweight or obese and definitely not healthy either why you know why do you think that is they've been they've been the the health establishment has been giving their advice now for decades and this is what happens and every and people you know people are generally listening to it um and and so I would say, look around you. Do you, you know, do you want to be like that? If you want to be like that, then do what they do. And if you don't want to be like that, well, perhaps give a listen to what I or you know some other people are saying that there's a better way, and that it has to do with living and and eating in a way that's in accord with the way human beings are are meant to live and eat. I don't know. How's that sound? I love it. And um, just in case anybody's not familiar, essentially we're talking about you don't have to eat all the time. You could just probably eat for like once a day and be fine or you like a window, a small window during your day and be fine. Um, copious amounts of high-quality fats and meats, minimal amounts of essentially anything else. <laughs> uh, but if you are going to eat something besides those things, definitely stay away from the grains and the sugars uh, as like priorities. Number one and two, stay away from sugars and grains and you can right. basically eat anything else. You might not be perfect, but you'd be better off than 90% of the people and, and high intensity exercise. Don't waste your time spending two hours messing about when you could get in there for 15 minutes and get more out of it than you ever could jogging for two hours. And, right. uh, you know, obviously you have a lot more resources and specific materials on this, both on your website and on your Twitter, and you have some resources, which I'll be happy to um, link to all of those in the show notes. Um, but if you want to go ahead and remind people where they can find you online so that if they're listening, they can just look you up. That'd be great. Okay, thanks. Um, I'm, my website is roguehealthandfitness.com. And uh, yeah, like I said, I got a lot of articles there. So use the search bar for something you might be interested in or just browse through it. Um, and uh, as we've been discussing, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Mangan150. Um, I've got books up on Amazon, which, you know, and, and elsewhere too, which you'll find if you, you know, if you follow me on Twitter or go to my website. That's about it. Excellent. Well, I want to take the time to um, thank you very much. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a busy guy and um, there's a lot going on in your life. So um, I'm grateful that you took the time to sit down and talk with me about some of these things. And, you know, we covered, we covered a lot of stuff. We covered social media. We covered a little bit of society, this, a little bit of uh, <laughs> establishment that. And then I think we kind of honed in on some concrete stuff there at the end for people to enjoy. So, uh, and and now that we're at the end, I'll toot your horn a little bit. There were a lot of people that when they found out you're going to be on my podcast, were very excited to hear from you. So, um, oh, that's got, great. Uh, great to hear. Got a strong fan base out there. And uh, yeah. so once again, thanks a lot for coming on here, Dennis. And uh, I appreciate it. Uh, okay. Well, thanks for having me, Chance. It was a great, great talking to you. Great conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I'm going to press the stop button here. Logo Centrifugal out. Uh